0: Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's time to put Christmas away, finally. Finally. For those of us who do the 12 days and yet and yet we were putting away all the the greenery uh, the tree had fallen totally to pieces Uh, uh, we got it earlier than ever this year Um, and it really didn't last through the 12 but when we came to the nativity sets you know there's always this funny wrestle of well but it's epiphany it's the this is when those wise men finally got there now we're supposed to put them away it was there they just got to this party uh, and so uh, th- that was a, a funny feeling I had. In fact, it, I thought of it when Zoe uh, took one of our uh, rolling kitchen chairs, pushed it over to the counter and climbed up and got a knife out of the knife block. Uh, she's liked to do this sort of thing frequently. Uh, she wanted to cut the little sheep out of the nativity set uh, because we had put other animals outside of the nativity and she wanted to put the sheep with the rest of the animals, the donkeys, the goats, and the cows, you know. Uh, but anyway, the mind of a, of a child. It got me thinking about it, and I thought, well, maybe we'll leave up the nativity set just a, a little while longer uh, and focus on these wise men that just got here. They're a strange thing, I have to admit. Uh, even after all these years of studying, uh, there is there some open-endedness in the wise men. Uh, but I, I'd like to say to you today that I think there's a purpose to that open-endedness and a good one. Uh, mainly that uh, it means that they can represent all the earth, uh, which is one of the points of Epiphany, is that Christ's light is not just for one group of people or, or one time. It's for all people and all time. And so uh, I'd ask you to look there with us at uh, at Matthew chapter 2. It's uh, in your bulletin there. As we look at this passage, uh, we can draw some, conc- some conclusions from just a few verses that we have Uh, You know, this is a one-time episode. We don't get any follow-ups to the wise men uh, after this. So we have to do what we can with what we have. However, helpfully, the Old Testament seems to know a lot about them. Uh, And so we'll look at that as well. What we see here is that they're described as wise men. Now, what is the significance of being wise? Uh, I think it's contained in their astrological prowess, that they are of every person in the world— they could read the stars correctly more than anyone, that they would follow that wisdom to where it led, which was to the manger in Bethlehem where Jesus Christ had been born. Now what's fascinating about this is I think there's this dichotomy in our world as it exists today where good Christian folk have a suspicion of learning and learned people have a suspicion of Christian people. Uh, And here I think there's a helpfulness in seeing that the most researched people maybe of the world Their research led them to the truth, and that truth was Jesus. So I think there's an application there for us that we need not be wary of higher learning. Often there's an agenda that we should be worried about behind it, but learning itself is not our enemy, and scholarship will point us to the truth. And God's world that he's created does have an order and does have his fingerprints all over it. And so as these wise men studied, We don't know where their knowledge came from. There's uh, theories that maybe they were uh, Zoroastrians, maybe they were uh, Persians who had descended from a more ancient group and they had preserved the wisdom of that group, or maybe even the Egyptian uh, astrological charts and records had come into their hands. But what is also fascinating is that they know that the star means that they're supposed to go somewhere and worship a king. The way they would have ascertained that knowledge is that they're not only looking at star maps and astrological charts, they also have religious texts that they're cross-referencing. And so they are able to put those two things together, that what they're seeing in the stars, they look for meaning in the, the, the scriptures, and they find that they need to go and worship a king that's been born in Judea. Uh, fascinating. Don't you, don't you think this is all Fascinating. I do, uh, and so they travel there, and they go, and they stop by the capital, which is where you go if you're expecting to find a king, and they meet Herod there, who is totally unaware. Uh, we'll come to this. Uh, Herod, totally unaware, and then his uh, scribes and Pharisees are consulted, and they say, oh yeah, well, there's, some, there's some, some things that say in the Old Testament where the king will be born. It says Bethlehem in Micah 5. So they, they give them the confirmation of what they're there to see, uh, but no one goes with them. Uh, and, and we'll come to that as well, how unsatisfying that is. But there they are. They, they are headed to uh, the Bethlehem where they will find the baby Jesus. And he says, uh, go in, uh, Herod says, go search for him and then bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. Uh, an evil statement. Uh, we'll come to this as well. Uh, as we really want to get to is the gifts that these men leave. Uh, for Jesus. But first some other prophecies from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 60. We read it today in your Old Testament reading has camels and two of the gifts in the, in Isaiah hundreds of years earlier. It says a multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah and those from Sheba shall come and they shall bring gold and frankincense. They shall bring good news and praises of the Lord. Again, stressing that these are people from other tribes who have journeyed a long way perhaps by camel as it indicates here in isaiah and and the people who are inheritors of this promise who have been waiting for this king who have been uh given the scriptures are totally blind to the fact that this is happening right in their backyard and yet with people who have the will and uh, the drive and the scholarship and the religious texts it all led them straight to jesus if they were receptive to it and then isaiah 18 verse 7 at that time Tribute will be brought to the Lord of hosts, from a people tall and smooth, from a people feared near and far, from a nation mighty and conquering, whose land the rivers divide, to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord of hosts. This prophecy, while it, it seems to attach to these wise men, the greater indication is that the blessings of God are intended to spread from Israel out to all the tribes of the world. We have to keep that in mind as we think about why this is included by matthew in this gospel so these people uh, you can draw some um, some theories that may or may not be true about who they were Uh, perhaps people who would have this amount of time and access to these this amount of research would be court officials perhaps Uh, everyone else had to labor for their daily living these folks seem to be able to really dedicate themselves to this task uh, so perhaps they were in some royal court somewhere, and that's somewhat why we call them kings, or, or at least they're representatives of kings uh, in that sense. Who knows, uh, but the Lord. One day we all will. Uh, but again, they, they, it leads us in today's application to be people who aren't afraid of archaeologists. Uh, you know what I mean by that? If, if the, we let the archaeologists dig and do their dating, and the closer they get to write, I am convinced they will just reveal that what God's scripture has told us is true. And so we do not need to be opposing uh, research or knowledge or the pursuit of knowledge and knowledge is a tool that God uses to lead people to himself for he is the truth and he will be revealed that way. So again, as the Bible verse says, seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be open to you. These men seem to me to be seekers who knocked and that door opened and there was Christ, the answer to their uh, quest. But what were their three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As we'll sing today in our hymns, there's extreme significance in the giving of these particular gifts that I'd like to go through with you today. First, gold for the king. The gold represents Jesus' kingship, uh, and we talked about how the wise men stopped by Herod's, uh, and what he wanted to do, uh, as we can tell reading the rest of this gospel, is he would like to kill this king. Uh, Not out of character for Herod. In fact, if we uh, read about Herod, he was a brutal man who was known for his grand building projects. He killed his father-in-law, several of his ten wives, and two of his sons, all to preserve his own power. He ignored the laws of God to suit himself and chose the favor of Rome, the occupiers, over his own people. And he often laid heavy taxes to pay for these grand building projects uh, and forced an unfair burden on the Jewish citizens. His son... Herod Antipas is the one that Jesus interacts with nearing his crucifixion. Uh, He had a a kind of a different uh, uh, theme, but not too far away, both very evil. He was a tetrarch, so not so much a king. He was the one who had John the Baptist killed, and he was uh, a player in that crucifixion scene with Jesus. He was known for military defeats and his impulsive and desirous nature. You remember the, uh, the dancing girl was the one who convinced him to kill John the Baptist. Gives you a clue as to what his court was like most of the time. What the people need was not anything like what those two kings represented uh, at that time or now. I would say, uh, and it reminds us of the first time Israel asked for a king in the first place, way back in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, the people say, "We want a king like everyone else has. Uh, we're jealous of them." And Samuel the priest is uh, speaking with the Lord. Uh, but the, th- the thing they said displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Uh, and it, it won't go well. I'll, I'll reveal that. And still in Jesus' time, it's not going well either. Uh, these kings are out for themselves and not for the people. What we need is a king who will bless the people who will uh, raise their their value, who will uh, rule in, in total perfection and justice. For justice is not what we've known from rulers, either in that time or now. So we also seek control in our own lives. This is not just an external prob- problem. We have trouble submitting to anyone, really. Uh, in, as Americans, we value our freedom. We don't bend the knee to anyone. But we should meditate on these wise men who are willing to part with gifts of great value, and lay them at the feet of a child, and worship him as their king, to submit themselves to this king, who is the one who has been promised from long ago, the king who will rule uh, with justice and mercy and peace. This is what they needed, this is what we needed. The first gift was gold for the king. Second, frankincense. Well, what is frankincense? It's not a term we often hear, but it's a high-quality incense from the Boswellia tree It grows in places like Yemen. And it was used in worship, uh, incense in prayer. Uh, and in Hebrews chapter 4, we read about Jesus as our great high priest. The frankincense uh, represents Jesus' role as the, the priest we've been waiting for as well. It says in Hebrews 4, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We also today need a priest who is able to make intercession for us. You see in the Gospels how far away the priests of Jesus' time had gotten from that role and in fact if you read more in Hebrews you'll find that they weren't qualified for it in the first place for they had their own sins to deal with too uh, Jesus doesn't have that he's able to make intercession purely and, and rightly he has God's ear uh, in a way that no one else ever has he actually Jesus will say in Matthew 23 uh, seven woes to the Pharisees I'd like to read you just a few so you get its taste of what the priesthood was like for the people of Israel Uh, More of a burden than a help. It was uh, more of a thorn in the side of God's people, hindering their way to God's will rather than helping. He says in Matthew 23, They preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces." You neither enter yourselves nor allow others to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. You serpents, you brood of vipers! How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues, persecuted from town to town. So that on you may come all righteous blood shed for the earth, from the blood of the righteous, the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. We could get into more specifics on that last part. Basically, Jesus is saying the first murder ever to the one that just happened recently. All that blood is continuing to spill in opposition to God's will. You priests, you're you're causing more harm than good. They needed a true priest a great high priest, who would make true intercession for them and not lay on burdens and shut the door of heaven in people's faces. Hebrews will go on to say, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by their death from continuing in the office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he is eternal and continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for men. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a great high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, and separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. We need this same intercessor ourselves, one who is incorruptible and will not fail or fall, who will always be there. You know, and since that time, the role of priest has changed. I I have that title myself, but I am not anything like this priest that Jesus is. My role is purely to point to him as your intercessor for I am on the same pathway walking towards him just like you. My goal is to make sure you stay on that path, but he is the one who makes intercession for you, not me. We need this same intercessor. You can appeal to the work of Jesus, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father and is all ears to your requests. This baby Jesus was given frankincense to represent his high priestly role on our behalf. The third gift, myrrh. Another resin from another tree, This one, a thorny tree, which already points to the crown of thorns that Jesus will wear on the cross. When he was on the cross, he was offered myrrh mixed with wine to drink. And Joseph of Arimathea brought a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes to wrap the body of Jesus when he was laid in the tomb. Here in Bethlehem as a child, myrrh is already there, pointing to the sacrificial role that Jesus has. Again, the sacrifices that were happening in the temple were ineffectual. They had to be offered every year, over and over again, to try to make reconciliation for sin. We needed a better answer. And in fact, in places like Psalm 50, God says, If I were hungry, I I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Implying, no, he doesn't do that. Hosea 6.6, he says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice an acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offering. We needed a suitable payment for all sin and an end to the cycle of sin and death and violence. Hebrews 7, verse 27 says, Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. No, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself the eternal life of God joined with humanity and sacrificed to pay the debt for our sins. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. 1 Peter 3. These gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, help us understand the true identity and purpose of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from these wise men. As Hebrews verse, chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and holds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. You see, as mysterious as it is with these magi, it tells us with certainty that the light of Christ is here for all people, that all Gentile tribes are included. This light to the nations, even if their origin or place of birth of the Magi is somewhat obscure, it serves as a way for us to fill in the blank with every nation of the world, and that all nations and strangers have now been invited to be included in God's saving plan. Jesus the Christ has received gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today, as we continue in worship, let us worship a king for all a priest for all, and a sacrifice for all. Amen.